Hey guys, you're locked into Kojo Anim on the Room 26 podcast with my brother, Freddie Nwaka. Hey guys, so welcome to Room 26 podcast with me, Freddie Nwaka. Just a, you know, casual, laid back, unadulterated conversation with friends, celebrity guests, and you, of course. Hold on. You are listening, right? All right, good. Freddie, who you got on the phone for us today, man? Bro, you, you, know, you, you know the routine, bro. How are you, Freddie? I'm fine, Freddie. How are you doing, Luke? Sorry, sorry. Let's try that again. How you doing, Freddie? I'm cool, my brother, man. You know we do this thing. <laughs> How's the family? How's the family? The family's good, man. How you been? You good? I am good, bro. Enjoying this heat wave that's just about to start. Loving it, loving it. All right. So today, um, I've got uh, another good friend of mine, someone I've known for many, many, many years. Um, and yeah, let's get straight to it, man. Cole Joe, how you doing, my friend? My brother, what's going on? Um, good, you know, like, you know what? It's, it's, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, man. I see you on the lives, but it's been a minute since I've spoken to you on the phone like this, man. How you doing? I'm good, you know, good. Uh, you know, just dealing with the world in its current state. And, um, yeah, just trying to remain positive, uh, stay creative, learn new things. Um, and, yeah, just kind of use this time to kind of season, season the blessings, you know? No, I hear that. I hear that. Me, me and Luke, my producer, we were talking about when we were looking at people. Um, we were like going through lists of people that inspire me in different ways, and he was asking me like, how, like, how do you even know Kojo? Like, that. Like, do you remember? Do you, do you know how long I've known you and how I know you? So I think I knew who you was before I met you. Yeah, I, I remember, I remember being in Tottenham. Um, I can't remember the name of the club, but it was a Westwood party, yeah? It was a Westwood rave, and you was performing. And I remember, I remember it being like this red smoke would come out and all this other <laughs> stuff. Fell. And I thought the real Freddy Krueger was coming out. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hold on, hold on, what's going on here? Yeah, um, and that was the first time I knew who you was, because I remember being in that rave, and you came out and you done your thing. Um, I'm gonna remind you because we're getting back in time now. So, I used to come to your comedy club. We're gonna we're, right. we're gonna get back into that in a minute. Yeah, I used to come to your comedy club, and there was I don't know if you remember this, right? Because we're keeping this shit real. But I I, I um I came to your comedy club, and there was an incident going on. And I don't know what it was, but there was some kind of issue down yeah. there, and some guys were supposed to be coming down there. Yeah, and me and you was having a conversation, and you told me about it, and I'd been coming to the club every week. So I was mean. I knew who you were. You were letting me in free. Yeah, you were showing yeah, yeah. me love. So it was cool. And I remember saying to you, Cole, do you know what? We were talking about it. And I said, no, nah, I'm going to stay with you. Whoever's coming down, I'm going to stay with you. Right. I remember I stayed with you. I didn't, they didn't come in the end, but I stayed with you. And I think that's right. where we... Right, we, okay. Yeah, I remember. Because, because that never really happened. So it was an isolated incident. So it was yeah. a thing where I can remember that specifically just what i'm trying to say so yeah okay that's how we bonded but anyway that's, I, I was just like you know what because he was asking me and i'm like that's i knew kojo but yeah. that's how that that was the that yeah, was yeah, the, the finally connected properly the point where we connected but yeah mm. the comedy club bro come on that thing there was mad i remember i used to come there and that queue was going from the top of binney street to the 
end of Billy Street, round the corner, man. Like you, you really started something that was iconic. Like, what made you start doing the comedy club? I think with the comedy club, um, you know, at the time, and I was, I was, I was on one extra as like a contributor. So I was a part of Reggie Yates' show and um, Devstar, yeah, and. Mm -hmm. And so, and so me and Reggie built a really good friendship. And um, we went to New York. We went to New York and we saw a comedy club out there, yeah, that blew our minds. It was a place called the Boston Comedy Club. And yes. it blew both of our minds. And in there, you're seeing a young Kevin Hart, a young Mike Epps, uh, Michael Blackson, Rob Stapleton, all these, like Bill Bellamy, all these people that, that you watched in films, bro. I remember. To us, they were huge films, but to America, they were still black, independent, low-budget mm. films that had to be a player, films like that, like, it's still low-budget. Mm. So to us, though, in being in the UK, you're looking at your whole DVD collection in front of you. <laughs> going on stage, going on stage, bro, killing it, yeah? Mm. So, then, um, so then I was like, right, like, this is, this is actually mad. So basically, um, I came back and I was like, Reg, we need this in the UK, fam. We need this in the UK because yeah, there's comedy shows, but there's nothing weekly. There's nothing like intimate mm. and stuff. So, so like we need, we need to put something together. So I came back. I remember Mr. C um, and Special P, two comedians that were um, in the game before me. They used to do a stuff at Corks in it, but they weren't doing it there no more. And I remember like you know that 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 club used to be cool with black people. Do you know what I mean? Because people mm. got a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I used to work there. Yeah, I, I used to rave in Corks hard. Yeah. Mm. From like Tuesday to Friday, man was in Corks, but with my boys, yeah. Mm. And so, so I met, I spoke to the woman, Laura, Laura Clark, like amazing um, woman. And I spoke to her and I said, Look, I've got this idea for a comedy show. She's like, Yeah, sure, you know, give us a hundred quid. And and if you get a hundred people um, um, in, you get your money back, yeah. So I remember the first time we done it, we got like 90 something people in, yeah. Mm. And if we kept the hundred pounds, I had to pay another hundred pounds again. Remember, bro. <laughs> Bro, this is Big Ross Club, West End. West End. This is prime location, bro. And I yeah. want paying is a hundred pounds. Yeah. Try and do that now. Try and do that now, don't it? <laughs> it probably cost you a hundred pounds to get to the West End, fam. Yeah? <laughs> so, so, so basically, I remember paying another hundred pounds, and that literally was the second hundred pound and the last hundred pound I ever gave them. In, wow. in, in like eight years, bro. In eight years, and you, the idea of it was to just get our voices heard. There was a new, fresh scene coming out in comedy, and and um, I, you know, I, I was a part of the Rue McCoy and all that. So, so those guys were taking the big, the big theatre bookings. So mm -hmm. I just wanted something to perform every week that I could say, look, this is where you can see me every week, and then while you see me, you're gonna see all these other people as well. And it was, it was just for me the best time in comedy. But I'm not gonna lie. The first few times I came there, I just came there because there were so much women there. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I know that on a Sunday, if I come down there, it's, it was full of women. Then after that, it was like, these acts are wicked. I met Eddie Caddy there. And then it was a matter of like, who's who? Like I used to start coming just to see what who would be performing, mm. who would be in, in the crowd, because you had everybody come through there. You know what I mean? I met so many great comics there and celebrities there. So you managed to get, I guess, the cream, the cream de la creme coming through there at some point, man. Yeah, I think we was all hungry. I think we was, you know, in our in our bracket, no one had left the pack. Do you know what I mean? We was all mm. 
hungry, young. You know, we weren't part of the Roman Quake generation, so we were trying to find our own feet. And and then um, yeah, man, we just we just had this union where we all follow each other to shows and start bonding, do you know what I mean? And it was for me, it was just a bit of time. That audience weren't comedy goers, they were mm. ravers that I brought to comedy. So yeah, when people yeah. would say, fam, like you got a whole nother level of people coming to your team, fam. Like, where do you find these? There's but there's certain man in the ends in it that's like, fam, I've never seen you. I've never seen these women. <laughs> Like, yeah. Yeah, I go to raves and I know girls, but I come to your team, but I always see things that I've never seen in my life. Bro. And because I brought, I brought, um, I brought ravers into comedy. They they, mm. they weren't going to comedy because I was raving hard back in the day. So all mm. the people that raving, I'd be like, look, I'm doing my comedy to come true, and that's how it built. I was mad. Do you know what? I've got to say, you 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 know, like, yes, you're a comic, but you're a funny guy, you know. You're actually, you're, <laughs> you're actually, you're actually funny. You know, like, like I was chatting to Richard um, on a podcast earlier, Richard Blackwood, I've known for years, and I was saying there's a massive difference between comedians that write material to make you laugh, as opposed to people that are comedians that are actually funny, like you, Kane, Slim, some of you guys are just funny guys. Mm-hmm. Like, I can imagine... Like, if I was getting married and I'm getting on a stag do, I'm like, Kojo's got to come. You know them ones there, like, because you're just funny. You're funny. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I think, like, I, think, I think sometimes, you know, because I do so much, I think that gets overlooked a lot of the time. Like, I think, I think with me, so many things come to people before funny does because I've done so many different things. You see what I'm trying to say? But for me, I always find that I'm always having to prove myself, to prove myself, to prove myself. But then, but then I find my funniest moments are actually when I'm off stage, when it's it's genuine. You know what I mean? It's natural, no just reason. natural. Yeah, there's no yeah. I'm not the kind of comedian that is looking to make people laugh either. You know, sometimes you just get yeah. to kind of continue to force it. Whereas me, I think you know, when in the right environment, I, I'm myself, and then myself. I always said the best comedy version of me was when I was on radio, because you can't. Mm. Think that. You can't fake that. That's that's six a.m. in the morning, bro. Do you know what I mean? You can't fake that. You know. What I'm I hear it. Real talk. So if you, you know what? If you, so, if you wasn't a comedian and a presenter and all the stuff that you do now, right? What would you What would you have been doing? Because, bro, I'm I'm African. You're African. You know, our parents wanted us to be doctors, lawyers, pilots, anything other than my parents. Arti- knew my parents knew at birth that wasn't gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they let go of that long time ago for me, man. So I, I wanted to be a teacher. You know? Oh, wow. I wanted to teach because I felt like I felt like I had a natural rapport with young people. I also knew how to get to uh, the mindset of a young person. And I always go back to what I, what I was like as a child and what kept my, what kept my um, uh, attention, you know, what didn't keep my attention, what made me laugh, what made me feel safe. All of these things. Um, so it was something that I was interested in doing. Um, and then when I was about to go to uni to do that, I found stand-up. And then I just fell in love with it so much. Um, and I felt like I was, I was, that was the only place where I could genuinely be myself. You know, so mm. I thought we faking it through life. Because I, you know, I went through a lot as a kid. And comedy was my happy place. And you know what? I, I was going to touch on that. I mean, just briefly, because obviously... Um, I've known you for years, but it's only sometimes when we talk in conversations that you find out. And I was reading up in certain things. And as I was fostered when I was younger by a white family in Kent um, for a number of years, and I read that you was a, was a fostered also. So, um, but mine is 
I don't believe everything I read in the press because sometimes it can be a load of bullshit, as you know. And I read an article that was saying that um, you was fostered, your parents were um, ended up going to jail or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that true or is that just what yeah, one of these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, from the age of five, both of my parents got locked up. And, and, and then I was put into the foster system. So it was me and my sister at the time. So I was five years old and my sister was three. So we both was put into the foster care system. And that, that's practically most of my childhood. You know what I mean? Like I was with my aunt Sandra, that's what I call her. And who to, even today is the closest woman to me. And, um, and yeah, it's like, you know, I, 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 I went through that. It was tough, you know, um, you know, awkward moments in school, I guess, parents' evenings, all of that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not really even affiliating myself to an African family because, you know, I'm not growing up in an African family. Like, I don't, I don't know that. You see what I'm trying to say? So, you know, when I can't speak my language and all the other stuff, you've got to explain why. You know what I mean? So, Brother, you're, you're preaching to the converted, bro. I went through exactly the same thing. I used to put Brillo cream in my hair because... I thought that's what black people put in their hair. I thought reggae music was UB40. I was dancing to Ultravox and Duran Duran, bro. I didn't even know who Bob Marley was. Do you know what I mean? Because I was brought up around white people. So when I when I heard and read about yours, I was like, right, me, Kojo, I've known him forever, but we've got so much similarities that I bet you didn't even know. Because I didn't even know until I read that. I was like, right, me, Kojo, our lives, our lives almost mirror each other in so many ways. Do you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a, it's a thing, because I, I grew up with a Caribbean family, so, so for me, I still felt my blackness, fortunately, do you know what I mean? I've still mm. kind of experienced that, you know, that's why I have a heavy Caribbean influence um, in, in, in my world, do you know what I mean? And it was like only when I started hanging around a group of guys who were Nigerian, that I started to get my culture back and understand, and I was addicted to these boys because they were African, do you know mm. what I mean? This is me. Yeah, this is me learning about myself this is me finding fun in our accent and our culture and all the other stuff and i was addicted to these boys because they made me feel like this is who i really am not where i was growing up kind of thing do you know what i mean so it's weird that even as you say that i've only just realized that i was probably was addicted to them because of that the movie the weekend like I was, I was honoured to have a little cameo in there. Um, my phone was popping off. Right, Freddie. I swear I just see you in Kojo's movie. Right, Freddie. I see you just. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, and that film. To be fair, when I before you when you were telling me about it, I was like, okay, okay. I need to see how this is gonna pan out because you was doing something that wasn't really happening in the UK in regards to making UK films look like US films. That same kind of tone, the same kind of texture do you know what i'm saying so i was like let me see how we can pull this off and i'm not gonna lie when i watched it at the premiere i was pleasantly surprised man i'm like yeah you've done a real good job in i guess making it our own if that makes sense how did the whole weekend movie thing come about it was i mean it's something that i i can't even talk about with joy because obviously you know why but it's it's um it came about because um, a guy called damien jones who i'm sure you may know Damien Jones is a producer, a white guy who produced Killerhood, Adulthood, um, and, you know, a fast, you know, fast girls, like a, a few of no clock stuff. Mm. Um, he also done Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll, a good film that I like with Naomi Harris, um, and just other bits and pieces. But he came up with the idea that he wanted to do a spoof of Killerhood and Adulthood. Um, and for me, I was like, I'm not interested in doing that. I said, I mean, I had enough films to do no spoof. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? we, we had enough films to do a spoof like why don't we just create a whole new 
like legacy, like a whole new thing. So, um, so he was like, okay, cool, go away, see what you can come up with, etc. I've never written a script before. I just knew how to write jokes. So I went, I met a girl called Tara. She taught me how to script write, what everything meant on the script um, format. And then once I learned that, then I then I went then I got cracking, you know. And I remember the first first draft of the weekend was about five pages of A4 paper, yeah. Mm. And I sent it to Damien, like, yeah, the film was done. Five pages of A4 paper on word processor fab. <laughs> I thought my movie was done, cuz. I said, yeah, we're ready to shoot this bad boy. He was like, what's this? Scene one. And I was like, he goes, nah, bro, the average movie is 90 pages, the way my heart sank, yeah. <laughs> What man has to sit down there and write 90 pages, fam? Are you mad? But I was so engrossed in the story that I was creating that I um that I I, I managed I managed to do it. Do you know what I mean? So obviously we went back and forth. Now the process, just to speed this up, the process was like in film, you get a lot of people that go, Oh yeah, I like this, but change that. Oh yeah, I like this and change that. Oh yeah, I like this, but change that. So I started to get frustrated. When you sit down and you you, you know what it is, yeah, as a writer, yeah. when you sit down and you put Ink to paper, uh, and, and like when you type in the words, right? And you put time and energy in this, and people keep on throwing you back and forth, changes, change that, changes, change that, yeah? And um, you start to get frustrated. You think, this, oh, come on, man, like I can see what I'm trying to do, I can see the vision. Mm. Like, like, what is it? Like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure about that scene. Like, hold on, like, like, teach me a bit more about the film process. Because right now, I feel like I'm just getting toyed. Also, because he had an, um, the Margaret Thatcher film that he was shooting, and Damien, um, he also, he, he could have had time, he didn't give me the time and the attention that I needed to develop the script. So mm. we both agreed to part ways, and I, I went on the search to find another way to make this. Now I'm fully invested trying to make a movie, because I know what it will do for the comedy scene, for the culture, all of that stuff. Um, went around, I, I sent it to um, a, a, a guy, and he was like, yeah, man. Oh, bro, he, he called me while I was reading the script. He was on holiday with his girl. He called me while he said, say, fam, I thought I'd just skim through this, but I'm reading this, bro, and I'm dying. Like, he's like, I'm dying of laughter, bro. I said, bro, we can get this made. I can get this made. So I, I went with him for like two years, back and forth, back and forth. People wanted to change the script again. I said, bro, when you read it, <laughs> you was dying. Those were the words. You was dying. Now, all these hands are coming on it. So then... You know, I went through the whole process of uh, getting these two writers on board and these writers came and violated me because, you know, if you put your car into the garage and tell them to fix the exhaust, yeah, you ain't expecting a whole new car. <laughs> True, real talk, real talk. I, I, like, I, I don't care if your car is better than the car I gave you. That's not my car. I want my car. Just fix the exhaust. Don't give me a Range Rover. I never asked you for a Range Rover. Yeah, and it's a Range Rover yeah, according to you. But I like my little Datsun that I had, yeah? <laughs> my little thing, yeah? It gets me from A to B, and, and I need my exhaust fix. But these guys come back, change all my character names, change all the scenes, everything, and gave me a whole new movie called The Weekend. And I was like, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't want this. I don't want this. This is my first, that's, this is my first movie. Why, um, why should you get all the credit for, for doing that? And so, so, so that, that was a big argument. And then when we, when we got down to, you know, years afterwards of actually being able to film the movie, then there was an issue with the writer saying that that's their script. And they had to take, but what they didn't know is I weren't filming their script. 
Okay. Like, want it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, did, I didn't want it. Because because for me, it wasn't me. It didn't sound like me. It wasn't it wasn't my sense of humor. I think your, your work has to feel like you. Yeah, of course. It wasn't your Datsun. It was their Range Rover. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and again, according to you. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? For me, that none of it made me laugh. I didn't know what... Why would you go that far to change the character names? It's only character names. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like now you're doing the most. Because all yeah. I know, like, that's extra effort to go and change your name. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah, and it, and it's, yeah. and it's irrelevant. Exactly. But you made it relevant because you are now saying that you want the credit for my creation. Mm. I created this world. I created it. No one else did. I wrote 90 pages when I didn't want to. I did that. I went back <laughs> for you to come and just do that. So cut long story short, the movie got made in, in bad taste. Um, you know, we had uh, somebody who was going to give us a hundred grand and the day before filming, they went, hey, well, till this day, I've not seen that person. Wow. wow. Till this day. So a lot of things happen in movies. So when you're, when it comes to the premiere and, you know, and with all that aside, with all that aside, everything that I think I've achieved or done or put out, people can, I feel like people will say it's been of a certain quality. Mm. <clears throat> Even if I'm doing a dating show on Instagram, I went and got a backdrop, bro. So, mm, it's, so, it's, so, so it's proper. I don't care what it is. Corks was a little shithole. But we made that into the hottest thing possible. I know how to make the most out of a situation where money isn't always afforded to. And before we finish on this weekend movie, I'm not going to call no one's names because I'm not giving no one no platform like that. You mm. understand? And you're my boy. But what I am going to do is just briefly allow you, because at that time, you sent out um, uh, a WhatsApp and a message, kind of like exonerating yourself yeah, and clearing yeah, your name, yeah. yeah? Um, and a lot of people, knowing that me and you were cool, came to me and said, oh, Freddie, what's going on with Kojo and blah, blah? And I was like, you know what? And I, Because I know. Do you know what I mean? I was, obviously, I was defending, not even defending, I was outlining the truth. Yeah. So I just want you just to basically touch on more so the end result in the sense that, you know what I'm saying, the film came out, it done what it had to do. Um, yeah, I think, so basically, with, with all that being said, you know, the, once we lost the, the money, we had to find the money ourselves, is what I'm trying to say. And uh, a woman who was dating my business partner at the time, um, and the director, uh, they were dating, and she put up a lot of her own money to help our dream come true. You understand what I'm trying to say? Mm. Then, but then it, it changed from, is this an investment or is it a loan? Okay. I was, I was under the notion that it was an investment, but he was reacting as if it was a loan. But you've gone, but you've gone and made an agreement without us both knowing what it is. Mm. Now, because you're sleeping together, it's, it's mixed, mixed emotions because you get caught cheating on set so now this woman is throwing tantrums because nothing to do with the movie, nothing to do with any, anyone it's else. It's personal. It's personal now. No, because because you're, you you disrespected her in front of her. Mad. So now everybody else has to deal with the fact that you can't keep it in your trousers. Okay. Now now that's become a problem for everybody else. You and then and then for me. When the movie came out, it went on Netflix, it went on um, Sky Store, it went on Virgin, it went on Google Play. And from, 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 from writing the very first word to that movie going out there, and still to this day, I never made a penny from it. 
every deal that was in place had nothing to do with me. Even we, even when the credits of the movie come out, I'm down as original story buyer. I haven't even got a writer's credit. And wow. people who were listening to this would be like, how did you let that happen? Yeah, because I, I was naive. One thing about me is when I don't know something, I don't act like I know. Mm. Yeah, I let people who have studied that part do their part. I was in control of the creative side of things. That's my strength. That's what I'm good at. When you have a film set, everybody has to play their parts. So I can't come and do everything. That's not smart work. So for me, he manipulated the fact that he knew more about the financial side of film and all the other stuff. Whereas I'm focusing on making sure the acts are saying the lines right, making sure and, and the actors are happy. Yeah, all of that stuff. And making sure that the atmosphere on set is bubbly. Even Bruce filming for four weeks. Yeah. Mm. So, so all of that stuff, but there's gonna be tensions, there's gonna be emotions, there's gonna be all of those. Tell things. me about it. Tell me about and, it. Um, there was a lot of female characters in there as well. So you're dealing with that energy and makeup and hair and you know all of those things. Remember, and also you're dealing with actors who are doing their first movie. So a lot of them don't understand that you know they're gonna be on set all day and not film because the weather changed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, for real. And, and they feel like they're being they're being mugged off, but they don't understand film. Mm. So you're dealing with all of that as well, and then for the movie to come out and, you know, even like the process of editing the film, you know, the, you know, the last edit we got before it was coming out, I was like, I'm not happy with this. This isn't what I agreed on. And scenes were taken out of the movie because some, you know, my business partner is a director, but he's not a comedian. He doesn't have a funny bone in him. So <laughs> yeah. you don't understand what needs to be in and what's important to the film. You won't understand that. His focus was on getting a movie out and saying that I, I directed a movie that went out. My focus is on doing a good movie because in time, the movie will justify itself. We would like people to go and see it when it gets released. But all the all real movies, they'll get seen in time. I, I just watched them, a documentary on Amazon Prime about the five heartbeats, which you should definitely watch. Yeah, okay. that's one of my top three films, yeah? And when I watched the five heartbeats and the journey of that, bro, like they came out, I think, uh, a time when another big movie came out and no one went to see it, yeah? Because they couldn't relate to the trailer. And basically, but it became a cult classic when it hit BET. Mm. When it nice. came on television, that's when people digested it. So sometimes so, we, we want things to happen <clears throat> in the office. Yeah, sometimes they have their own journey. Yeah. And, do you know what I mean? Sometimes you, all you've got to do is like, you can put a bottle into the ocean with a note in it and it will just come back to the beach. Or you can leave it and it will end up in another country. But the thing is, sometimes you've got to put that bottle out <laughs> to see where it's going to go. There you go. There you go. And, and you can say it's out there and it will do what it's supposed to do. Do you know what I mean? talk. All the time. So for me, you know, one of the things that I had to walk away from, especially with not making a penny from it, was my, my mum said, you know what? Because we was going to go to court, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know where I'm from. We was thinking all kinds yeah. of shit. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but it came to a point where my mum was like, you know what? Walk away. Because the same size of what you've lost will be filled with something else in the same size. And mm. that's, what, that's, what, that's what happened down the line, you know? No, no, that's an amazing, yeah, man, that's a journey. But I've like, I done that, I wanted you to let people know because I feel like a lot of the time when people ask me and I talk about it, it's like, are you just defending Kojo because he's your brethren? And I'm like, nah, this is what it is. But now you've just, it, they can hear it from the horse's mouth now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I just wanted to clear that up. Back to you and comedy, bro. Like, all right, so look, I used to come to your Fresh Prince of Hackney mm. um, shows, bro, mad. 
mad, mad, mad. How how did it feel for you? I mean, obviously we've seen you on bigger things since then, but when you're on that stage and you're performing in your home town, right, mm-hmm. in front of all those people, man, how does it feel? Because it just, do you know what I mean? Like, I remember when I used to rap, I used to be on stage and you got the whole audience shouting and jumping. As a comedian, have you ever been on stage, right, and you dropped a joke and it ain't funny or people don't find it funny? Yeah, bro, loads of times, bro. Loads of times. But but I'm honest enough to be like, bro, I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> because you know what? When you do that, you'll still get laughter. You yeah. still get laughter. There's, there's, you know, like there's, there's, you don't get nothing from always thinking that you're funny. You don't, mm. you don't always get that. Sometimes you say something that's awkward and people will remind you that it was awkward. You know, and it's and it's and it's fine. And um and to perform at the Empire um in my hometown, do my first one man show. Uh, and it's being taken for MTV as well was was like groundbreaking at the time because MTV weren't messing with comedians like that. Do you know what mm. I mean? And it was a music channel. And when they decided to come and shoot that, it was uh, a life changer for me because it started. It, it, you know, they put my name around black houses realistically around the country because it wasn't MTV. It was MTV based. Yeah, so yeah. That was kind of our channel where everybody would go on to and see that. Do you know what I mean? And it was. And for the time, it was. It was good and it encouraged other people that you know what like i've had so many people message me over the years saying that's the first time they, they saw a black comedian in the uk normally we'd have to go to america but they saw man on television i was seven years old i was eight years old i was nine and i was like this guy's funny do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and they remember that and and it made them want to get into comedy themselves you see what i'm trying to say so so yeah so that was um at the time you don't know what's happening but looking back it was a, it was my first real kind of taste of, um, you know, doing something great. And in, and in regards to comics, I mean, there's quite a few. The comic, the, I guess, the UK comic circuit is quite small, um, and a lot of the time it's the same comedians performing here and there and here and there here and there. Um, I remember when I was rapping, we used to have like, what I, I guess it's like rap beef. Do comedians have not necessarily beef, but I feel like do they have like um, comics over here and comics over there that don't necessarily see eye to eye and won't work with each other or is it very much, do you know what I mean? Like everyone is cool in, 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 in the circuit. I think, I think, I think that's, that's, that's rife in black comedy at the moment. Um, and to be fair, it's not just black comedy, it's comedy in general. Like you go and do the white shows and you be in some of them changing rooms, but they're cussing everyone that's winning right now. Wow. Yeah? That's what they do. They're, they're, like, it's the common denominator is to cuss whoever's winning. Yeah? Mm. Whoever, whoever um, they feel like they're funnier than, they will say, they'll come up with stories about them. Do you know what I mean? And I often find myself like, right, is this the room that I'm in? I'm <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to be a hater. I don't want to be somebody that's chatting crap about someone who's winning their mm. way. The problem is, and this is right in comedy, and there'll be comedians that don't like me, There'll be comedians that will have a lot to say. You know, I saw a comment today actually online that said, you know, uh, that Kojo, like, you, you know, you, you, you didn't show love to the online comedians and, you know, you know, you know, you hated on online comedians, blah, blah, blah. And what, what people um, do, especially with me, is they have this entitlement that I should like what they're doing or I should be their friend. And what they don't understand is the cloth that I'm cut from is, do you know what I had to do to even get close to knowing Dave Chappelle? 
Do you know what I had to do? Imagine I took that attitude with um, Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle, all these people going, yeah, I'm a comedian from the UK and, and you should, you should, you should um, help me out. You should love me. You should like me. You should give me your number. All that stuff. You know, you should tell people that you know me. Like, what, That's like, mad. What do they get out of that? Mm. It's true. It's true. It only benefits the person, not you. Yeah, I get everything from it. What do they get from it? I had to go and earn that relationship. Mm. I had to go and earn it because you get to walk away and go, you know what, I've done a show with Kojo tonight. Kojo was on the board too. I don't get to go away and say, I've done a show with Theo from Beckham. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't get to do that. So for yeah. me, I've, I've, I've had this thing about me where I don't, I've never made it easy for people to come up to me. And it's not from an egotistical place. It's from a place of, you, 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 you don't get to do this for two minutes mm. and, be, and be in. You yeah, it's a lifetime. It's a lifetime of work. So sometimes, business, yeah, yeah, you, yeah I, and I get it. I totally get it. Sometimes it's that hope. It's that people have got to tread in your shoes. Like my, my, my dad used to always say, only the person wearing the shoes knows how hard it, 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 where it pinches. Yeah. And sometimes people come out of the woodworks and like you said, they expect certain things or it's like you, you owe it to them. But really and truly, you don't owe them shit. And that's the reality of it. But then, but then when someone wants your approval so much and they don't get it, they feel disheartened. They feel like, ah, oh, he doesn't think I'm good enough. And it's mm. not that. It's, it just means keep going. It's yeah. I have to keep going before I got people's respect. That's what mm. it is. But people don't well, like to earn. This generation, maybe the last 10 years, people don't like to earn uh, respect. They just feel like they're entitled to it. And, and with me, I, 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 I value myself and I value my own time and I value my mind. You see, when I'm, when I'm talking to someone, I'm willing to share everything with you. So I'm fragile because mm. I know when I, when, I, when I let you in, I'm sharing all of this with you. Mm. So I have to be very careful who I let through the door, fam. Because mm. I, I will leave you the house keys, my house keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the kind of friend that I am. That's the kind of person yeah. I am. So I, because I would leave you my house keys and you've got the, are you going to steal from my house? Mm. Are you going to rob me? Are you going to be looking at my stuff and being like, rah, how's cold? you got all the, like, like, that's the kind of friend I am. So I can't make it easy to get in. I can't give it because me and you done a show together. That mm. me and you supposed to change numbers. No, it makes sense. But, it makes sense. But when you but when you don't exchange numbers with people, they go, right, like Kojo was like moving mad or Kojo's this. And that's the easy thing to say because you don't want to deal with the fact that you haven't earned my respect. Mm. And also, I still got to earn your respect. I don't know you. Mm. And mm. I take my time to find out who you are. That's me also respecting you. Mm. It's real talk. It's real talk. You're talking, you're talking, you're talking so much realness there, man. Brother. I see you in the wild and I watched it a couple of times actually. And you know, like we have this perception of the US comics and the way they handle their biz. And anyone that's watched Wild and Out, they don't play. But you held your own. Like you went on there and you represented us properly in a way that we as UK people were proud. Like, how did that happen, man? How did it feel to go up there against some of them comics? Because that ain't bro, that ain't easy. From you know what it is? It's um having gone to America so many times. I, I knew their rhythm. Okay. I knew the rhythm yeah, of Americans, yeah? I knew that a lot of them are that pretty cake that don't taste good in the middle. That's a lot of Americans. Okay. Yeah? They're big, loud, yeah? But a lot of them are insecure. A lot of them don't really believe their hype, yeah? Okay. Quite loud. 
Whereas British people, we, we're born conservative. We're, we're more like, yeah, okay, man's doing our thing. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. Americans are like that. America's like, yo, man, I'm lit. I'm the biggest thing since Chris Tucker. I'm letting you know. And that's how America, but Americans sell themselves so well. Yeah. yeah. That's how you sell yourself. Me, I'm in there probably looking at across at all the cast and thinking, I've done more than all of you. Yeah. Mm. I'm the only one here that's been flown from another country to be here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I must be doing something. But because I was quiet, chilled out, humble, that often got taken for, oh, he's Harry Potter. He's... <laughs> man said Harry Potter, you know. <laughs> up in the building, and Rick Ross is saying, yo, man, what's happening? How you doing? Because I interviewed him on Choice FM when Kevin Hart pulls through and they're like, yo, Cody, what's going on, bro? Like, and everyone's looking at like, how do you know all these people? You're not even from here. Mm. Because, because I've done the work. Mm. I've done Ground the work. work. I've done the work. Nick Cannon has called me to say, I'm doing what I've done out, bro. I never called him and said, can I do it? I just kept that relationship with him. And when the time is right, he, he afforded me an opportunity. So Nick um, was like, yeah, listen, I'm doing this. Jasmine Dottiwala um, was a big connection in that as well, because obviously her connection with Mariah Carey. Um, and I'd met Mariah Carey through Jasmine as well. And Mariah was really cool with me. So, you know, it, it was also her saying to me, like, check culture out, he'd be good to have something different. So it was, it was, it was just like, what happens when you earn people's respect? See, I never, I never met Nick Cannon and be like, yeah, I'm a comedian and you got to help me and I want to do, no, hey, how you doing, man? You good? Yeah, 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 cool. And then we got to know each other a little bit and that's it. I never asked him for nothing. Yeah, that's powerful, man. Because I believe that if I've made the first good impression, if I've earned that phone call back down the line, I'll get it. But what people do, like I said, is you meet them and they start telling, they start act, having this attitude like you owe them something. You, mm. know? you owe them something, and no one wants to earn anything anymore. And that's why a lot of these blessings, I've earned them. Mm, no, I hear that, brother. You've been you've been putting in work from day, man. So I wouldn't even. No one can even. That's not even questionable or arguable. That's that. That's just it is. You've been putting in work, man. A lot of things go. Like, as we get older and through life, we go through life-changing experiences, man. And I know not long ago, you became a father. Like, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? I, I was already in deep. <laughs> I've got kids already. <laughs> like, my oldest is 21. So I've been I've been doing that daddy thing, man. Like, but um, when I go online, um, I've seen you and obviously little man, and I can see how much she means to you. Like, how did fatherhood change you, man? Like, being a father, becoming a father, how has that impacted Kojo? I tell you what, when um when I found out I was becoming a dad, I remember somebody uh, Charlie Slough. I spoke to Charlie Slough, and Slough was like, "Bro, like you see the blind that you have now, it's gonna triple, bro. Yeah, it's gonna triple, bro. When you when you see your children, bro, like it's gonna it's gonna motivate you on so much of a level that you ain't got time for nonsense. You got time for nonsense when it's just you. When it's just you, mm. and you know it's just you, you're right. You got time for nonsense. You ain't got time for that when you become a parent because." You gotta block all that noise out and you gotta to get to the bag, you gotta to get to something better for your child. You know, destination 18 is what I call it. When they're 18, what situation are you gonna put them in? Mm. What's it? They have to be in a better situation than you are that in. They have to be. Otherwise, for me, I failed. I, I hear that. To me. Yeah. So so um, so for me, that's that's the motivation. So my decisions had to become different. And I get to relive my childhood again through him. You know, Amazing. I, get, I get to see that, you know, my son had a really tough pregnancy um, and, and Tiffany had a tough pregnancy. So my child um, went through a lot. You know, he's got uh, a muscle disease as well called uh, muscular dystrophy. So 
it, it, it doesn't allow him to kind of fully stand up straight. Do you know what I mean? And these are all things that you, you deal with. But when you see your son smiling, fam, yeah? Yeah, he's yeah. smiling and, and he's always looking at me like, Dad, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes as a parent, you want you want your child to do this and you wanted to play football, you wanted to do that and whatever. And my son looks at me and he's like, Dad, I'm cool. I'm still smiling. I'm still laughing. I, you know, I get frustrated like everyone else and, and whatever. But as a two-year-old, he's about to be two. When I, every time I look at him, I see, I see him a fighter. I see someone who's fighting, bro. Yeah, and it makes it easier for me to accept his condition and also to plan ahead and move forward and making sure that he's, he gets to see the world, bro. And that's what, 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 bro, that's what we're doing. You know what? If I could jump down the phone and give you a hug, hmm. I'd do just that. And let me tell you the reason why. When we first started talking earlier on, I told you we have so much in common. You know, my son was born with a condition called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. That means he was born with three chambers to his heart instead of four. So when you have a child that's born with some kind of condition that is life-threatening or something that they live with forever, it impacts the way you are as a father. And yeah, parents love their children, but looking after a child that is sick or has some kind of illness, it changes your whole your whole um, trajectory, how you look at life and how you grind. And what you just said there mirrors exactly how I feel. And mm. it's just funny to say, yet again, neither of us knew this. We have something else in common. It's mad. Yeah, you know because, what I mean? Because I know we... In our community, we don't talk about these things enough because we're ashamed or we feel shame and we feel what people are going to say, etc. And, you know, like even with like, you know, my son's mum, Tiffany, she's gone on a journey where she started to talk about it. She started to accept it a bit more. It was difficult at first, of course, um, but we, we, we go through it. And, and the thing is, our son is so dope, man. Like, Roman is such a cool kid, yeah, that he, it's, it's been easy. It's been easier than it could have been, you know, because, because of the kind of child that we have, you know? And she does a great job with him. He's, he's learning really fast, you know, you, you know, I'm enjoying him growing up. You know, his, his favorite word now is no. <laughs> I'm sure he's on schedule. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Then you know, he's stepping into terrible twos now. So you know, he's throwing these little hissy fits. But but ultimately, like he, he's he's normal. He's cool. He's fine. Mm. And and you know the you know the plan is to you know be there for him and 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 have that male influence on him. You know, and and, and that's oh, I hear that. Like when he sees me, it's like he can't wait to be around me. Do you know what I mean? And there's times when I'm not around. And it's difficult, but you know, our, both of our focus is always making sure that he has everything that he needs. No, nah, I hear that. Let's talk, right? Britain's got talent, mm. brother. Like, I must admit, I turned on the TV and I, like, I didn't know you was on it. Um, and when I turned on the TV, I said, "Right, that Kojo." <laughs> and then I watched it, and I'm like, "This is, this is, this is um one of those moments, bro." I'm like, "Kojo, don't fuck it up, you know, bro, because you're on national TV and you're my friend, yeah." And you're representing all of us. So, bruv, don't go on there and not be funny, bro. Don't, you got, it's different when you've got your own show and you've got a whole length of time to be mm. able to pull back stuff. But you've got a small time slot to get as much funny material in as you can, yeah? <laughs> like, how was that? What was the pressure of Britain's Got Talent and when the golden buzzer got hit and all that kind of stuff? How was that for you? I think um, people felt how I knew they would feel. When they when they when they came out, so because what, every, what everybody was thinking, what I was thinking, 
when they approached me, I was like, what the hell am I doing Britain's Got Talent for? You got mad. Like, why, why, <laughs> why would I do Britain's Got Talent? You know, that's not, that's not me. And then, and then I had to look at it and go, no, that is you right now. Mm. Because everybody in the community thinks you're in a position that you know you ain't in. You, more than anyone else, knew that I was on my friend's couch. Yeah, yeah. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. yeah. I was on my friend's couch, largely due to loss of finance from the movie, but mm. but that's what that, that's what my reality was, bro. Yeah. yeah. Nearly two years on a yeah. couch. To the point where, to the point where, Fred, and I, no one really knows this, and it's in my book, yeah, but when I got with my son's mum, there were times when I, f- I fell asleep on the couch, bro. Mm. Where, because in my mind, that was what I'd known for two years of being comfortable. I became uncomfortable in the bed, bro. Wow. That's my, that's, that's real, and that's a real form of, if you like, mental, not even mental illness, but it's like... It's yeah, it's trauma, man. And we used to have conversations. Sorry to call you. We, I used to have conversations with, with our mutual friend about that and about and um, obviously I'm not going to call his name, but that's a good friend there. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, obviously, you guys have got your relationship. Man, yeah, 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 and, yeah, that's a, that's 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 that, that's no, deep. But, that was a remarkable friend because the thing is, I wasn't homeless. I could have stayed at my aunt's house in Enfield, but I feel like in the same time, I feel like. In a weird way, it was all part of the journey of me being able to even be in a relationship with a woman again and live with them because I had mm. to get used to living with somebody and sharing a space. So when wow. it's happening, I'm thinking about other things. But what, what God was actually doing is allowing me to share my space with somebody. Yeah. yeah. Knowing someone else is in the space. Before then, I used to have my own crib. So, so, so having your own crib and living by yourself for a long time, bro, that, that, they're the hardest people to date because they're used to a rhythm of not explaining themselves, getting up and moving on and getting out and I'm gone. Like, I'm not telling someone when I'm coming home and all that. But when mm. you share your space with a man or woman, you have to do that. Oh, you're going to be in later. What's going on? You know what I mean? All of those things was actually building me up to be in a relationship. Yeah, because, yeah. Because, because I needed to get humbled enough to understand what sharing your space feels like. Yeah, it makes sense. So again, coming back to the couch, it's it plays a big thing to me where I became a I, I became comfortable on the couch, bro, and I couldn't sleep in a bit because I hadn't slept in a bed for two years, and my mindset was of being uncomfortable. So that was something that I dealt with for a while. But ultimately, yeah, yeah like being a dad now. Is, uh, and doing like Britain's Got Talent. When, when, my, when my son was born, I, I said, I don't want to give him excuses. I don't want to say to him, well, you've got this opportunity and I turned it down because of what the mandem was going to say or what, what I thought people was going to say and all this other stuff. Because when you're trying to be great, people are going to say something. Mm, true, true. People are going to say something, bro. And you got to know why you're doing it. Because there's a, there's a lot of people, bro, who, you know, they're the comment people. They're the people that will, will never post a picture because they can't take comments on Instagram, but they'll go on Instagram and comment. They'll have big opinions with no picture. Mm, mm. No posts, they'll have big opinions. 
it's that's true. what's happening a lot right now. There's a lot of these profiles now on Instagram that people have when that, that's their comment profile. That's their comment profile. That's where they go and bring havoc to your life and other people's lives and whatever, and, and they, they won't be held accountable because they, they're, 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 a, they're, they're not a profile, really. Mm, it's true. It's true. And now people will go and do that. So for me, when Britain's Got Talent happened, I was nervous because I thought, like, you know, this was a big risk. If I go on there, bro, and this goes horribly wrong, I, would, I wouldn't be allowed to live it down. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I wouldn't, because that's the mindset of our community. Mm. Is that it's funny when people fail. Mm. But we all have dreams, you know, but yet we laugh very hard when people fall, when people fail. But somewhere along the line, we hope our dreams make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the same breath. In the same breath that you're entertained by someone's failure and someone falling. But yet in the same breath, you have dreams yourself. It's crazy, isn't it? When you think about it that, and you look at it, how ironic it is, it's mad. You're, you, you want to win yourself, but you're happy watching other people lose. Like, it's a fucked up mentality, man. But when you was on stage and all that gold shit started dropping out of the, the sky, yeah, how did you feel at that moment? Because I know how I felt when I saw it. I was like, Whoa! I felt like I'd won. Yeah, I think I've always been a purist. When I came into comedy, bro, I didn't know you can. I didn't know you can make money. Mm. I didn't know you can make money. I came into it just wanting to make people laugh, bro. Somebody gave me fifteen pound the first time I got paid. I got fifteen pound, and that wasn't even payment. That was like travel expenses. But to me, that was payment, fam. I left my yard fifteen pound light, fam, and you just gave my fifteen pound cuts, yeah. I got paid. <laughs> I got paid, yeah. Right. So for me, I, I was over the moon that someone gave me money for this. Mm. I didn't know you can make money. So I came in so pure into comedy. That's why I've been blessed. When I done Britain's Got Talent, everyone and their mother was talking about Simon Cowell's golden buzzer. Everybody. Remember, Freddie, this was day one of filming out of 16, bro. And, and, and each judge only gets to give it away once. I was filming on day one. Mad. Day one, Simon let off his thing on day one. Yeah, that, that's, bro, that's powerful. That's an achievement. That, I mean, that, that speaks volumes. Because oh, Simon, Simon ain't an easy guy. He's that, not an easy guy, man. So. That is like the headmaster smiling at you on day one, bro. Like, yeah. that don't happen. That's never happened. It, 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 it actually made the newspaper the next day, but they couldn't reveal who it was. But they, but they said Simon Bauer, Simon Cowell has already given away his golden buzzer on day one of filming. So now everyone else is thinking, well, shit, what else, is there? What, like, what else left is there? <laughs> Some people don't even care about winning, fam. Yeah, yeah. What else, what, what, what else is left, bro? The other judges, okay, but they don't hit us the same. Um, winning it sometimes doesn't even hit the same. Everybody mm. wants to know who Simon likes, bro. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I'm going to say to you. It's, it's really weird. And in a funny way, I'm glad. Obviously, we both know Alicia Dixon. And having her on the panel, it's almost like if she had hit the golden buzzer, some people would have said, oh, man, she just did it because she knows Kojo. But I'm so glad that it was Simon that did it because it automatically dispels the, the, the fact that people might have been thinking, nah, man, Alicia just done it because they're brethren. Do you know what I mean? Hitting that golden buzzer for me would have ruined my career. Yeah, yeah. If she had done it, it would have been like, But she, yeah. came to me, she came to me and she goes, coach, I'm so happy right now. She goes, bro, 
you smashed it. You smashed it so much that I should have pressed the golden buzzer. But, it had, but if I pressed it, bro, yeah, if I pressed that golden buzzer, that would have done you more harm than good. Because she'd been there yeah. with another contestant that she, that, that she knew. Yeah. But the funny thing is, all the judges said that they were going to press it. Wow. But Simon leapt over to do it first. Yeah, that's amazing. Do, do, do you and Simon still talk? Is, he, is, is Simon a friend? Or is he just Simon? I think he's just Simon. But I feel like in life, I've got his respect. Mm. That to me is everything. I've got Simon Cowell's respect. So whenever we meet up again, it's going to be powerful. See, again, it's about earning things. Mm. I can say, wow, man, Simon done this. And how come he ain't? No, no. He's, he's giving you the leg up mm. to get onto the, into, into the Premier League. Now I'm in the Premier League. So now, bro, I'm Norwich City. Mm. That's how I look at myself. I'm Norwich City. Do you know what I got to do? I got, I got to play the survival game for a couple of years at this level. Yeah, then you show people that, okay, man, I'm probably right, Norwich, Bournemouth, yeah, Bournemouth been in the Premier League four seasons. <laughs> All right, they're officially a Premier League team now. Mm. So you played in the Premier League one time, don't mean nothing. Can you stay there? Yeah, real talk. So that's how I look at myself. Some people might feel like, nah, bro, you know, you know you're bigger than, nah, bro, I know where I'm at because I know what I'm trying to achieve. I'm mm. trying to win Champions League. Mm. Mm. I love that. I'm trying that. to win the Champions League as Bournemouth. So you know what I've got to do? Before I even think about Europe, I've got to think about just maintaining my position in the Premier League. How do mm. I stay on this level for a couple of years, bro? I've made, the kind of money that I've made, bro, in the last 12 months would have been what I wanted, would, would, would have been good enough for me if I made it throughout my whole life. Mm. That's hand on heart, bro. So now I know what is available when people like you, it, it, it pushes you on to do even more. It pushes you on to do even more, bro. Because I refuse to go back to where I was. Mm. Because I'm good with my money. I know how to save. I know when to park stuff up. I know how to buy the right things that I was saying to you about buying my own production equipment. Yeah. Five times renting that out, bro. I get my money back. Yeah, you're nice. You're nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a good investment. This year I'm trying to say, like, I get my money back. So, so it's, it's being smart with your money. It's, it's, it's being able to create content yourself, tell your own stories unapologetically. Yeah. The beautiful thing that we, we have a channel, which is called the World Wide Web. Meanwhile, a lot of us are trying to get cold time from the BBC and all this other stuff. But why limit yourself to that when the world can be watching? Yeah, so, so, so true, man. And, and, and we want to go cinema and all the other stuff. Okay, but why not when you can put it on Netflix? And have the whole world watch it. You, you know, know you're you're dropping so much gems, man. I just know that people listening to this podcast, man. If you guys ain't inspired, if you guys haven't learned something, man, that you're not listening to the wrong podcast, man. Because like right about now, you've been dropping some serious gems. That like even I'm sitting here, I'm getting goosebumps, in, inspired by by what you're saying, and just things. Do you know what I mean? Things that I know, but sometimes when other people tell you what you already know, it reinforces it. And it's, it's... For you, you are somebody who gets on with it. And you do it through struggle. And you do it sometimes when no one's appreciating it, bro. And, and I've seen you do it when you think to yourself, what am I doing this for? Because I'm helping all of these other people. And sometimes it's like, you, 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 it's like you've got to drag people to help them. 
Yeah. Mm. Like, like I've seen you do that. But the thing is, is what you're doing, unfortunately, will make sense later. You know, somebody had a conversation with me today and they called me Noah. And they said, you're Noah, Kojo. And you know why you're Noah? Because you know what's coming. But right now, everyone don't believe you. Everyone's saying that uh, he thinks this and he thinks he's better than us and he thinks all this other stuff. And, you know, who is he to say this and who is he to say that and blah, blah, blah. And that's what you got to do. you got to watch Noah, Noah's Ark. you got to read Noah's Ark. And remember, all the people that were laughing at him when he told, when he told them about a storm that was coming. Mm. They all laughed at him. Because remember, that was the vision that God gave him. He didn't give, God didn't give that vision to no one else. And sometimes when we are in our vision, bro, we feel a little bit upset that people don't get what we can see. Why can't you see what I can see, bro? Mm. But the fact is, God didn't give them that vision. He gave you the vision because only you can execute it. It doesn't make sense them them knowing what your vision is. They can't execute it. Wow, 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 wow. So when, so when you're going through all of this stuff, yeah, look at Tyler Perry. He's Noah. Mm. No one cared before when he was selling them little DVDs out of his uh, Diaz, Diaz um, thing through, through um, in the boot of his car when he was homeless and he was living in the same car. No one cared when um, he's putting out all these black films and everyone's like, oh, Tyler Perry is depressing, man. And it's always the same black this and black that, mama, all this other stuff. But you know what his arc was? The new Hollywood, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine he stopped because people were saying his films are shit. Or he keeps doing the same thing. And he's wearing a dress. And he's doing all this and he's doing that. Imagine he let all of that get in the way of building the, the, the number two version of Hollywood, bro. Yeah, the old mass. studio. Where now everyone is coming in what? Two by two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mad. It's, it's, it's crazy, bro. Like, even, even yeah, I'm actually going two by two, bro. Yeah, because now, now everyone films in Atlanta. Now, yeah, it's the has been threatened. Yeah, his, his lot's bigger than all of this. Yeah, that's, that's one journey I need to make when this COVID thing calms down. That's one of the journeys I'm definitely going to go out to Atlanta, man, and go to Tyler Perry studio just to go in network to try and see if I can, you know, you know what I mean? Take, take my dream. My dream would be to be UK's answer to Tyler Perry. And that's what I'm aiming towards, you know what I mean? I'm trying to be that guy over here because we don't have that guy over here. You've got, to, you've got to continue because one thing you do is you execute well, but you've also got to just continue the journey. Like I said, I'm about to shoot some stuff and we definitely work together on things. But like, I know, I know the stories that I'm, that I'm supposed to tell. I know. And I'm, I'm tired of having to sell myself so much that I don't believe in it no more. Because mm. we get there as well, where they make you express yourself, explain this thing, say that again, like, break, that, break that down to me again. And you say it so much, bro, that you said it so much, like, like now you're like, but maybe I'm trying to shit. You're not trying <laughs> yeah. to. You're not trying to. You're just banging your head against a wall that ain't going to move, bro, that doesn't want to move. And mm. after that, you're going to get a headache. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so, what I, yeah, so back to the really talent thing, like that to me was something that I felt like it was a smart move. I've been doing this for 20 years. You think I ain't got three minutes, bro? Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Simon Powell has to press that golden buzzer because he because because the game has has held me back. I shouldn't have had to go on Britain's Got Talent, bro. I'm mm. not cut from the same cloth as many people. You put me in any room, I'll rise. Any room. And it's mm. not ego talking. It will sound like ego in the wrong ears. But the yeah, fact yeah. 
I shouldn't have to go on Britain's Got Talent, bro. Mm. But I, but I humbled myself to do that. I, I let my ego. I put. I dropped my ego to do that. I dropped my pride to go and do that, and made myself vulnerable. Mm. Because I always know that no matter what position I'm in, bro, I will always bet on me. And come out fighting, man. I will Definitely. always bet on myself. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I believe in myself for real. Mm. And you have to. If you don't believe in yourself, how can you expect other people to believe in you, man? So straight away, that's 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 mad. That leads me on to the taxi tour. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Because I know you was going around doing the tour and killing it, and then this mad thing, COVID, come jumping away and put a stop to that, man. Like, how... I mean, I'm not even going to ask you how that was, because I know you was killing it. But when is that going to come back? Are you going to continue the... That, the... that, that was... Um, um, the plan was to extend the tour of the Live Nation, and then obviously that happened. I mean... You know what, like, I, I humble myself because I had 26 dates and I got to do 23. Stormzy had a world tour, bro, and maybe oh, yeah. five. Yeah, for real, for real. So in the pecking order, bro, like, I am not generating Stormzy money. So so for me, it's, it was great to go on the road. 90% of the shows were full of white people. Mm. You know why? Because white people bought, they bought their tickets immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And black people tried to turn up on the door lastminute.com and tickets were gone. But uh, Croydon was obviously more mixed and Hackney was obviously going to be the homecoming. Yeah, yeah. I was looking forward to that as well. Do you know what I mean? That was the homecoming. That was going to be the the special moment. But there's bigger things planned. There's work, you know, work abroad, you know, and a taxi tour for me, let me know that I can do this. Mm. I can do this. I can do this. You know, of late, I've been posting material on my Instagram that people ain't heard before. Because before I protect my material, be like, oh man, like, I can't just give this up. But you know what? Through this season, I've been writing like crazy. I, do you know what? I ain't gonna lie. Actually, talking about abroad, I saw your, I saw your um, post where you was flying out to America or something. Or you went somewhere. LA. I'm like, LA. I'm like, bro. I see. I said, I come. How comes Cold Joe ain't called me, man? Like, why? How comes? Why am I not one of the? One of, the, one of the guys on the plane with him. That's what I was thinking at the time. I'm like, nah. They look like they're about to have some fun, man. And I see them. I see you guys. I see you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm getting. I was getting feeling. They're like, right, cold. You could have called me, you know. Even if he just lied and said, Freddie, come as security, come as security, or something. You know what I mean? Like, start it out. <laughs> you know what it was. It was, um, it was just like these guys are like people that I've kind of grown with. This what I'm trying to say, yeah. Yeah. And in this season of look, man, I've got a lot of people like yourself who I've met in the game, etc. But then there's people who, like, when I mean, like, during that period, like, these were the faces that I saw regularly, yeah? Day ones, man. Like, day ones. Like, these are the people that, you know, because I do the podcast with them, yeah? Mm. I, I, every day I remember certain things, you know? Um, mm. And through time, you pay people back. That's yeah. In time. That may not have been the trip where me and you connect, but me and you will be like, you know what, let's do this film together. Let's, yeah, let's, like, like the, it, it will always come in different capacities when it presents itself because a holiday to you, Fred, ain't really going to mean as much as when we get to shoot a movie together. Because we, you don't want to go on that rascal holiday, fam. You want to, we want to get on set and be like, you know what, let's, let's shoot something together, bro. Yeah, for real, for real. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's the mindset that we have because that's ultimately what this is about. It is, you know, it's, it's a great time to be black. It's always been a great time to be black to us. 
Yeah. Now it's been it's been time to be black for to to everyone else because we're not asking anymore. Yeah, we're telling. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's and the thing is also we're not even just telling. They're, they're telling us yeah. that it's great to be black because now you've got black people that are standing up and being proud to be black. You've got white people that wish they were black. Do you know what I'm saying? You've got other people that are accepting that we're black. So very different looks, outlooks from many different people. It's, it, as a whole, it's just a great time. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a good time for black people right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, you know we've got to just be more patient with each other, man. Mm. I mean, we've got to be more patient with each other. Like, there's a, we, we can't, we can't demand equality if there's no unity within. Mm. We've got to be, we've got, we've got to have show equality to each other as well. And that's something that, it's, we're, we're, we're such an easy target. Like, I often think about how many black people leave bad comments on white people's posts. Mm, it's true. But we do it to each other. Do you know what I mean? Like, how many, yeah. and I'm not saying to go and do that. I'm just saying, Subconsciously, you don't do that. Because mm. for whatever reason, we don't see them as a threat. But mm. they have everything that we want. What black person has everything that you want? Very few, bro. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Very few, bro. White people have houses and land and businesses and job opportunities and promotion. And like, that's what we want. I thought that's what we wanted. I don't know. Maybe we just, maybe we want shout outs and big ups. Mm. And, and champagne at the club. Maybe, is that what people want for real? That's why I hate when I will always get compared to another black comic. There's no black comedian that's got what I want. Mm. Because we haven't, we haven't got there yet. Until, until a few of us have that, then I'll be like, okay, now I can start looking at us and be like, okay, that's the motivation, that's the goal. But these comedians who ain't as funny as us, mm. are way more than us. Because they're part of the get along gang. That's mad. They all together. They went, you know, they, my mate knows that mate. And, and that's how it goes. A lot of this isn't about talent. It's about relationships. Yeah. The, 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 in fact, the whole industry as a whole is predominantly about who you know and yeah. aligning, aligning yourself with the right. You could be the most talented person in the world and, and get nowhere because you don't know the right person. Or you could be full of shit, but you know the right person and get put on. So it is... Purely relationships. That's why, yeah, like comedians can't be out here talking about who's the funniest, bro. Mm. Out there doing that because like, the funniest person ain't killing it. Yeah, for real. Well, you know what? This is the thing with you. When me, you got. <laughs> when me, you talk. You know, we could talk forever. We could go on and on and on and on, and we don't have on and on, on time. But mm. I want to end the show. I always end the show on some jokes, man. So I've got two games. Two yeah. games that we want to play. One is a far, One is the quick fire round. Yeah. So yeah. quick fire round. Yeah. Tea or, tea or coffee? Uh, tea. Denzel Washington or Tom Cruise? Denzel. Tits or bum? Bum. Phone call or text? Phone call or text? Oh, phone call, man. You, you want to talk, innit? Bruv, bruv, bruv. Texas are getting people in trouble, fam. <laughs> yeah, evidence, innit? Texas is some bullshit, fam. I'm going to take texting off my phone, actually. <laughs> and WhatsApp, get rid of WhatsApp and all that yeah, shit, man. I'm going to pull up on some things with some 3310, fam. Like, I'm over. <laughs> <laughs> um, bath or shower? Uh, shower. Michael Jackson or Prince? Jackson. Save money or spend money? Spend money. Um, horror, horror movies or comedy movies? 
uh, comedy. Yeah, I need the answer to that. My last game, this is my last game, right? I have a game called Freddy's Freaky Fridays. So I've got six boxes. Each box has got 10 different sub boxes in it, yeah? yeah. I need you to pick six numbers between one and 10. And I'm going to tell you what you're going to be doing this Friday. All right. Yeah? So give me six numbers between one and 10. You can repeat the same number over, but yeah, yeah. between one and 10, yeah? Okay. So far away. Uh, let's go with number one. Okay. Five more, five more. Okay, okay. One, uh, seven, uh, six, ten, and uh, two. Two. Okay, you know what? You, 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 you're pretty calm, you know, compared to what some people got. Some people got some fucked up shit. But I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to have... <laughs> yeah, for real talk, bro. You're going to have dinner... With uh, who with dinner with Madonna? Come on, oh, actually, actually, hold on, let me do, let, let me do, you, yeah, dinner with Madonna, right, on a beach, listening to pop music. Oh, shit. <laughs> ah, bruv, then you're gonna pick your nose halfway through it. And what was the last number? Uh, two, and then you're gonna snap it <laughs> and let everyone know. <laughs> Yeah, blood. Because Madonna's the kind of person that will tell you that bogey is good for your health and, <laughs> and makes your hair grow. And <laughs> I met her with um, Dave Chappelle once. Um, and Chappelle brings all these kind of people around. Like, his pocket of friends are so insane, but they're just from all these different pockets when separately they would not be in the same room. But this guy brings so many people together. So, yeah, Madonna, you're yeah, on a beach, fan. That's uh, mad, brother. It's been a pleasure, man, bro. I love you, brother. Thank you, man. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, you dropped some real gems, man, and some real inspiring just facts and conversation, man. And it's like anyone listening to this podcast, well, they, they bro, they've got to be inspired. They have to be inspired because I'm inspired. It's mad, bro. And I look forward to us catching up and working on something together, man. Yeah, for sure, man. That's gonna happen soon, man. We'll, we'll, we'll talk later, for sure. Ah, right, my brother. God bless, man. You too, bro. So guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Room 26. Please, please, please subscribe, rate, tell your friends, dogs, cats, budgies, share. I don't care. Just tell the whole wide world. And let's make Room 26 the most listened to UK podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Room 26 underscore podcast. That's at Room 26 underscore podcast. Thank you.